When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Let me talk to you here for a second. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Here, let me explain real quick. First off, it's free. That is the best word in the English language. Free. There's also a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much, much more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. That's big. I mean huge for brand new podcasters. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchorfm.com to get started. Fracture prints your digital photos directly onto glass, making your favorite moments come alive in vivid color. Hand-assembled in the USA, Fracture glass prints are a unique and beautiful way to display and share your favorite moments. Simply upload your photo at FractureMe.com, select your size, and your glass print will be shipped to you, ready to hang with just one screw. Use code POD15 to get 15% off your order today. That's code POD15 at FractureMe.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the main event, Mark's Podcast. I'm your host, Troy, and joining me for this bonus show is Jacob Grandi. What's up, man? How's it going, guys? Jacob, you are a podcasting veteran. I know you've been around for quite a few years, done quite a few different podcasts. Why don't you tell, uh, tell the Marks out there a little something about yourself? Well... Just like you said, I'm Jacob Grandi. Uh, I do have a new show called Curtain Jerkin, uh, where we talk to different uh, AEW, NXT, New Japan, and I review main event every single week on the show. We focus heavily on the first match on every show, but we kind of talk about uh, the overarching uh, storyline aspects that happen in the main event and everything, too. But there's a full rundown 
of the uh, first match on every show we review on Curtain Jerk. And we have a big one dropping Thursday. It's going to cover GCW, Beyond, New Japan, AEW, NXT, and WWE. Well, that's definitely um, some unique stuff there. You've always got some unique takes on your podcasts. So it's it's refreshing to see that sometimes. I appreciate um, that. I appreciate that. Yeah, and uh, I know you're on social media. How can uh, people follow you? On Twitter, a lot of people are following me on there, at JG Pro Wrestling. Yeah, hit me up. Uh, NW Bros on Facebook. There's not a, few, a lot of people following me on there, but uh, I'm part of this uh, Facebook community, NW Bros. Pretty pretty awesome stuff there. And then on Instagram, JG Picture Taken. I would I'll appreciate a follow on Instagram, too. Twitter, it's popping off. Facebook and Instagram, I need a little help, guys. So reach out to me on there. Awesome. Sounds great. And I know, I believe I'd reach out to you about doing, you know, hooking up, doing something together, a little bonus content because uh, you always bring the goods. So you had suggested doing a review of the very first SummerSlam. And I was like, you know what? I need a bonus show in August. That would be absolutely perfect. Because while there is a lot of meat on the bone as far as the very first SummerSlam back in 1988, I don't know. It can... I would really have to dig for some news from the time, and I, I figured just I, I want to get into the event itself, the meat of the event. Whereas if anybody listens to the podcast itself every Wednesday, then we do news, notes, and rundowns, whatever. And while we do focus on the event, we don't get we don't focus heavily on little details here and there. Whereas here, we're breaking down just the event, so. There's more we can talk about here. I think we can go in long form with the matches and stuff like that more than anything. It's a great opportunity to do something a little different. I'll tell you what. I'm I'm going to give you a confession right off the bat. I've never seen SummerSlam 88 before this. Oh, yeah, me neither. Not all the way through. I definitely didn't know uh, the storyline going into the main event as much as I did, but I highly enjoyed it. Most of the stuff I watch and review is current wrestling, so it, it was really cool to go back and watch this stuff. What this not not this exact show, but this was exactly the stuff I would rent from Blockbuster when I was a kid. I was growing up in the '90s, but then they had a whole section of wrestling that you could go back to and rent. But it was all a bunch of stuff from the '80s, and it just kind of took me back from when I was a kid renting these videos, not from. I wasn't alive during this time period. Right. Yeah. Same here. I was born in '90, so uh, I, you know, I, I missed all this good stuff. But yeah, with the WWE Network, it's it's cool to be able to go back and watch all this. And yeah, like like you were saying, I was a kid. Every time my parents let me go to the go get something on my own from the video store, I'd always get wrestling tapes. So, and if, if anybody listening doesn't know what a tape is, Google VHS. That's all I'm gonna uh, say. So that that's that's how old I am, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I'm right there with him. And it's cool that it's on the WWE Network in full form now to be able to see all this. Uh, and like I said, I've never seen it before. And while I wasn't crazy about the show as a whole, it's it's still cool to go back and witness history with this being the very first ever SummerSlam for anybody who is a first-time listener here and just sampling main event marks were all retro all the time. And this month is obviously heavy for SummerSlam. Uh, me and my normal co-host Greg have covered SummerSlam 2015 because it was the biggest SummerSlam in history to that point, and we were physically there in Brooklyn for it. But we're also covering another New York 
SummerSlam this month. We're covering SummerSlam 1998, which also took place from MSG. We'll return after these messages. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. At Total Wine & More, we know what pairs perfectly with summer. Go ahead, test us. What goes best with a beach trip? This crisp rosé. A pool party? Try these craft beers. Oh, you're good. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine & More. Now, back to our program. Diving into the actual event itself, SummerSlam 1988, the tagline was where the Mega Powers meet the Mega Bucks. They had another, it wasn't really a tagline, but we'll get into it here in a minute. The date for the event was August 29th, 1988. It took place, like we said, from Madison Square Garden, New York City. The attendance was 20000 They made $355,345 off the gate, and the pay-per-view buy rate was at 45 a 4.5 buy rate, especially 1988, was pretty good. I don't know what people are pulling in nowadays. I, I'm not hip on, you know, all the all the buy rates. And especially with WWE going to the network, uh, you know, buy rates are low. For those of you out there, I, I've used a lot. If you're new, I use a lot of reviews from the Wrestling Observer, but I also have my own reviews, but I throw in there stuff that, I call him Uncle Dave, you know, stuff that he he says. He was working for Yahoo Sports at one point, and someone who was high up in the company of Yahoo was asked who the best reporter was, and he actually said Dave Meltzer. So he has recognition like beyond just uh, wrestling dirt sheets, I would say. It goes into just general journalism. Um, I'm a fan of his. I, I enjoy him. Uh, but I also, uh, like, I like him so much that I'll listen to someone make fun of him too. It's kind of funny. I, I enjoy his, the nuance of his opinion and thought process to the point where when people trash him, I kind of uh, get what they're saying and think it's kind of funny. Kind of like, a like, a, like if you're roasting him a little bit more so than, uh, kind of trashing him. Yeah. And, and let me just say as a person, uh, I, you know, I'm not, if, if I roast him, it's not, you know, as he human being i don't know i don't know the guy uh but you know some of his opinions uh, i kind of turn my nose up at whatever but my co-host greg he absolutely just cannot stand the dude whatsoever so yeah i am but starting off uh, uncle dave called this show quote more brutal than the bunkhouse which i guess is saying a lot because i don't think the bunkhouse stampede did all that well uh, overall he called it quote the most forgettable show in the short history of pay-per-view and describes it as quote, everything it was advertised to be and less. <laughs> That's like uh, harsh. Pretty harsh. But when I hear him say it, it's a, uh, I would say it's true. It's definitely a show. And that was kind of right. why people were there. They were stoked to see the stars, but once they saw them, they kind of wanted them gone. Yeah. This was not the NWA. I'll say that. 
And at the same time, though, I just got Greg and I just got done on the podcast. If you guys want to go back in the archives, we reviewed the 89 Flare Steamboat trilogy, but we didn't review the matches. We reviewed the events they were in. And I'll tell you what, man, most of those were like maybe two match shows and everything on the undercard was pretty long, boring, and nobody really cared. So I will definitely say, you know, go check that out and you guys can form your own opinion on it. But right off the bat, when me and Gene Okerlund, they do the Oker, uh, the opening and, and he does a voiceover, says the WWF, what the world is watching. I, it kind of gave me chills. Like it was, it was a cool opening for 88. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, definitely added to the field, the overall field, which I think like, you know, Meltzer may finish on the matches, but this was definitely just a pay-per-view with feeling there to bring you into that, that one match that they were pretty much selling you on. Oh yeah. And then after that, I always dug the WWE, even to this day, I dig their openings, you know, the then now forever or the old digital open, the attitude era, you know, and stuff like that. But then right after that, you get hit right in the feels with the old SummerSlam open with the WWF production theme for SummerSlam. Friggin' loved it. Gorilla Monsoon and uh, Superstar Billy Graham on commentary definitely got me there, too. Yeah, I will say this. I was a little shocked because I've never seen Superstar Billy Graham on commentary. And, well, I'll get into it with this first match here. The first match of the night was the fabulous Rougeau brothers, uh, Jacques and Raymond. Versus the British Bulldogs, Davy Boy Smith and Dynamite Kid. They had Matilda at the time, their little pet bulldog. This match went for 20 minutes. The pro-American crowd that just booed the Fabulous Rougeos, they just blew their load for the British Bulldogs. Hilarious. Yeah, I, I did think about that. You got a Canadian and a uh, and a British guy defending America's honor here. Well, you... You got the British Bulldogs against the Canadian team and the Canadian team that they're waving like tiny American flags and claiming to be, uh, what was it? The, uh, good American boys or something. I can't remember what it was. I, I swear to God, dude, this is, this is where I have the, the note. If Billy Graham said brother one more freaking time, I was going to lose my mind. You think that whole coach. <laughs> Okay. That'd be a great drinking game. If you want to watch SummerSlam 88, every time Superstar Billy Graham says, brother, you take a shot. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, you'd be dead by the end of this from <laughs> from alcohol poisoning. It was just ridiculous. He said, you think Hulk Hogan said brother a lot. He's got nothing on Superstar. <laughs> every, he used the word brother like a comma. And, <laughs> True. and then another commentary note. I... I said, I swear to God, if Gorilla Monsoon said, it's a happening, one more time, just during this match alone, I was going to crap a brick. Like, I, I told, I told Greg, cause I was, I was texting while I was watching this, I said, Gorilla, cause apparently that was like another tagline for the show was, it's a happening, <laughs> and which I don't understand. And Gorilla Monsoon just like jackhammered it in there, like Vince McMahon style. And he said it like 2,000 times during the opening match. And I was texting Greg. I said, I want to get a DeLorean, build a time machine, go back to 1988, buy a ticket to the show, front row, so I can hop the – well, actually, sorry, they were up in a uh, balcony. So I can get a balcony seat, find where they are, where they are run over and smack the crap out of Roman soon. Huh. 
<laughs> it was so annoying. But as far as the match goes, it wasn't terrible. Uh, it wasn't like fantastic, I didn't think. Uh, but it was a, I'll say it was a great match by WWF tag standard. Um, I love this match. Uh, you can definitely tell Davey Boy was the one that the, uh, the WWF was behind. And you can look at history and see like he's the one who stayed. So you can tell like that. That's the one they were trying to push the whole time from Gorilla Monsoon to the crowd reaction. And I think they did a really good job putting him over. I think, uh, Davey Boy gets lost in, uh, the shuffle when you talk about the, you know, the Hart family with Owen and Brad named in Dynamite Kid. But I think, uh, Davey Boy really, uh, showed out here in the opening contest. Uh, one of my favorite matches on the show now, looking back after watching the whole card. And then it led to a title and a draw which is something I don't think you would see definitely in the first match in any wrestling show today. Yeah. What was funny about this matchup as well was, if anybody knows the backstage feud between the Rougeaus and the Bulldogs, especially uh, Dynamite Kid, because this I think this was right before, uh, I want to say, uh, I can't remember if it was Jock or Raymond that, had a roll of quarters in his hand and when dynamite came around the corner he sucker punched him right in the teeth and knocked his teeth out what Damn, yeah, you never, yeah you never heard that no well it's well, because it was, uh after this match yeah i think it was after this and the reason for it was because dynamite kid kept relentlessly i guess Jacques, for those that don't know, Jacques is the more boisterous of the two. He always was. He became the Mountie. Uh, whereas Raymond, they said he, he never really, he, he didn't mess with anybody. Nobody ever had a bad word to say about him. And he never really stuck up for himself because he didn't want to fight. And not that he couldn't fight, just he didn't want to cause any issues. But Dynamite Kid had the, the little big man syndrome and he was on roids and everything. So he kept messing with Raymond over and over and he threatened him. And he was like, just being nasty with him. And finally, they got sick of it one day. And I think he did something. I, I I can't remember all of what he was doing, but basically, he was making the Rougeau brothers' life a living hell, like just constantly bullying them. And finally, they got sick of it, and they had a roll of quarters, and they were in the the catering area, and and they saw Dynamite walking down the hall. And as soon as he came around the hall, he socked him right in the mouth. And knocked his his front teeth out. I guess right after that, then Vince McMahon was like, "All right, enough's enough. No more ribbing. No more bullying. You're done." And they said that was kind of the downfall, of Dynamite Kid. After that, because he was never the same. Yeah, I mean, pretty sad story with him. But I guess if he was being a dick, you know, you can't really blame him for you know upside the head with the roller quarters. Yeah, you got to stand up for yourself at some point. You know, exactly. Uh, and, I mean, they split up, I think, because Davey got tired of dealing with his crap. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, he went to uh, he, he went to Japan and killed it. And, uh, but, you oh, know, yeah. law, I mean, at one point he was started treating his family like crap, lost his legs, and then passed away. So uh, he was a really great wrestler, but tragic ending. And it's yeah. pretty ironic how, uh, how big of a fan Chris Benoit was of his. With oh, a, no, almost right. Inside and out the ring. Yeah. And the, and I didn't find out until recently that front drop kick into a kip up off, uh, front drop kick off the top rope into a kip up that Daniel Bryan does. He got that from Dynamite Kid. Oh. So I, 
Dynamite Kid, he wrestles a lot like Dynamite Kid, too. Oh, for sure, yeah. But really, to wrap this up real quick, in the end, the Bulldogs do their tag team gorilla press into a flying headbutt. Basically, Davey picks up Dynamite and throws him uh, for a flying headbutt onto one of the Rougeos. The other one is distracting the ref, so he didn't get the pin, and the bell rings for the time limit draw. The Bulldogs get angry, and they chase the Rougeos to the back. Billy Graham suggests they, quote, finish it in the shower, brother. Huh. It was kind of a weird line. Uh, Uncle Dave complained about having to spend $15 on this show, because apparently that was the price point in 88. He complained about having to spend $15 on this show and said that this match was, quote, perfectly fine. But you got to think, this, like I said, this was not a terrible match. I gave it two and a half stars. So did Uncle Dave. For WWF standards, this was a really, really good tag match. But if you're going, if you're like, think about what the NWA was doing with tag teams in 88. I mean, you had Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express, LOD, or Road Warriors, whatever. And, you know, this, this was good. But it was good for WWF, I think. I don't know. Maybe I'm biased. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. You got some workhorses here. But at the end of the day, it was WBF. They were doing more uh, more cartoon than sport, honestly, at this point. Right. Uh, speaking of a little bit of cartoon mixed with some sport, they showed a clip up next from WWF Superstars of Wrestling where outlaw Ron Bass jumped Brutus a Barber Beefcake with mm-hmm. his spur and a whip. And he chokes him with a whip. And then he drives his spur into Beefcake's forehead, busting him open. In the process, oh, yeah, he, yeah, yep. And then in the the process, he also threw a WWF referee out of the ring to somewhat block out the blood. They put a giant red X on the screen with the word "censored" over it. Yeah, a bunch of baby faces hit the ring and saved Beefcake and chased Bass out of the ring. This is back in the day where all the baby faces got along and all the heels got along. I like this stuff. I've been watching. Uh... A lot more of the uh, more graphic hardcore stuff than my other sh- for my other show. So seeing kind of uh, something that might be on one of those shows here in WWF in 1988 was pretty pretty good. Uh, Bruce the Barber Beefcake. I mean, come on, he's never. I don't think he's he's never been my favorite. And I don't think he's ever been anyone's no. favorite. He was on TV for so long. The Zodiac, yeah. Bruce the Barber, the Disciple, everything. Uh, he was, booty. He, yeah, the booty, booty man. man. Yeah. Oh. So, I mean, he was the man with no name. Yeah, like uh like I'm not a fan of him watching, but I'm definitely have respect for him as someone who's, you know, out there in the workforce working, trying to make a buck. He did it for decades. He's one of them guys that nobody can understand why, but he's always got a job. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you why he's he always had a job, brother. But that's oh, yeah. another story. Up next, speaking of somebody who, why the hell did he have a job? It was uh, Bad News Brown taking on Ken Patera. This went about six and a half minutes. Patera looked like Days of Future Past coming to the ring. I was just like, man, it looks like somebody took like 1975 and transplanted it into 1988. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but it's always cool to see an Olympian out there wrestling. I put up a poll on Twitter: how, who, like, who is your favorite Olympian not named Kurt Angle? 
in wrestling. And it was like Chad Gable, Mark Henry, Jeff Cobb, and Kim Batera. Kim Batera looked like he was running away with it, but then Chad Gable took it from him right at the last few hours. But people still talk about Kim Batera to this day. For him to be on that pole and do so well kind of shows me that he's uh, well-respected for people that were watching a lot during this time. I'll be real honest with everybody. I didn't, I don't know a lot about Ken. I mean, I, I know who Ken Patera is. I just, I've never watched a lot of his stuff. Uh, that era was kind of, you know, you don't get it on the WWE network at all. There's not a ton of footage of it. And I never really followed his career closely. I know this was, uh, his comeback, I think after he got out of prison for, mm-hmm. I think he threw, uh, a, a f- threw a, uh, chair or something through the front window of a restaurant he got thrown in prison for it uh but yeah so this was his uh he was trying to come back this match though man uh bad news brown jumped him as soon as he gets in the ring and just whoops him brown dominated most of the match but patera does eventually lock in the bear hug in the end patera misses brown in the corner raining his shoulder into the post and bad news hits the ghetto blaster for the win Uncle Dave gave this one and one fourth star. I gave it one star. What say you? Um, I give it, yeah, like about like one one five one four up there, like a little bit above a one, just for the nuance of you know of it being in Madison Square Garden. I guess gives it up to a one <laughs> for me. Yeah, I just I don't know, man. I I didn't really care about Bad News Brown too much, and I really didn't care about P- Ken Patera in '88. <laughs> so. I- I don't know. I was just like, eh, it's a six and a half minutes, you know, throwaway match. Up next, man, Mean Gene Okerlund's backstage interviewing the Mega Powers with Miss Elizabeth. Hogan is sweating bullets in this promo, I noticed. He's very shiny. But he says he can feel the power of the MSG crowd. Savage says that he feels the electricity in the building. He says that Miss Elizabeth is her secret weapon. And then they do their weird-ass handshake. I love it, man. Shake my hand like you hate me. Yeah. I freaking, I I love that, that mega powers like, get in, man. This next match was another short one, but I don't know. I liked it better than the last one slightly just because of the guys who were in it. But it was Mm -hmm. ravishing Rick Rude with Bobby Heenan taking on the junkyard dog. It went for six minutes, 18 seconds. Women in the crowd were taking pictures of Rick Rude as he does his stripper routine. Did you notice that? Oh, yeah. I mean, he was the archetype for Robert Roode, for Val Venus. I mean, he was truly a character of this time period. And this was his peak. Um, you know, they mentioned idol wrestlers a lot in Japanese wrestling. I think, I think Rick Roode was like an idol wrestler for this time. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He was, he's, he was something, man. And, uh, he, he was, he was different at this time. And he had a very unique, body style like he had like zero percent body fat he has the junkyard dog's face airbrushed on both the front and the back of his tights mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this here's here's some trivia for you this is the final wwf pay-per-view appearance for jyd oh really damn yeah yep and at this time this was uh because he was going to show up in the nwa shortly after this and get fired and rehired by them like a million times within the next couple of years. So that's that's what JYD does after this. But by this time, JYD's coming out to grab them cakes, which is on the wrestling album, if anybody has that. And, and I'll say this, man. 
Uncle Dave liked to call him the junk food dog at the time because he let himself go and he was quite hefty at this point. But the crowd freaking blew for him. He was one of them that always elicited a response no matter if he was going to have a junk match or not. Junkyard Dog was over here in Madison Square Garden, but he was over any time I've ever seen him, especially in the 80s. So he may be the junk food dog at this time, but it, he was never really uh, an athlete. And I think no. that's why this that's what, that's what made this match here. You have the natural athlete, Rick Rude, no fat on his body, versus someone who the crowd can get behind, you know, the everyman. A little fat on his body, but he can still whip your ass, the Junkyard Dog. And I was always a fan of his no matter what, but... Yeah, this was, uh, I don't know. This was the original, like, to steal a line from Bruce Pritchard and say, you know, the crowd blows, he does his, his entrance, his dance, the crowd's like, yeah, junk, or junkyard dog, woo! And then that damn bell had to ring, you know? Yeah. I mean, but they kept it short, 620, and I think that's why they put him with Rick Rude. I mean, Rick Rude was with Warrior a lot, uh, for the exact same reason, uh, you know, he, Rick Root was the uh, was the ring general every time he was in there. Well, that's why Rick Root eventually had to retire from a back injury because he had to carry so many people through all these years. <laughs> but this is yet another match where the heel jumped the baby face as soon as he gets in the ring. But this one doesn't act- actually doesn't pay off for Rude because JYD makes a comeback right away. Uh, mm-hmm. Rude sells getting hit between the legs, and it is the funniest thing I've ever seen. They have like compilations of him selling like atomic drops and low blows and everything. And it's amazing. But yeah, there's a whole Twitter account dedicated to him selling atomic drops. Yeah. Uh, He's yeah. Great, great wrestler. And I mean, like we mentioned before, like how uh, influential he was. I mean, he was the first guy to use the airbrushing and now you have RBD, you got Ryback. You have a few others throughout the years that do the airbrushing on the tights, but he kind of did the best, even though he was the first getting the heat yep. with not only JYD on the tights, but then uh, Jake the Snake's wife on the yes. tights. Yep, because he goes up top to drop a fist on JYD, but before he does, he pulls his tights down to reveal a second pair of tights with the face of Cheryl Roberts on them. That's, as you said, Jake the Snake Roberts' wife. As soon as he does the... I don't know if this was a botch, like if, if JYD was supposed to move or if Jake missed his cue or what, because he jumps off, lands on his feet, and just kind of, like, puts a fist into JYD's face. But, you know, he made it work. And then Jake runs in, he attacks Rude, and gets JYD disqualified. And then he apologizes to Dog after doing that. Uncle Dave said that this match was terrible, and it was all Dog's fault. He also also notes that it should have been negative stars, but the Jake the Snake run-in was good. He gave it a dud. I gave it one star for effort. Probably just because I like these guys. Maybe I'm lenient. I'm giving it a two. I don't. I watched this match and I don't remember anything wrong with it. I mean, you got four legends out there working together: Rick Rude, Bobby Heaton, Junkyard Dog, Jake the Snake. I mean, it took me took me back to blockbuster VHSs, you know. Yeah, I try not to let nostalgia play into the the match ratings. It's kind of hard sometimes, you know. Oh um, yeah. But I don't know. I just the, there was nothing botched except for I, I don't know if that diving fist was supposed to happen or not. But it wasn't necessarily anything was botched. It's just I mean, it was blah. Uh, I don't think it deserved a dud. I thought that was kind of like a little harsh. But 
either way. Next, we go backstage again to the back. We got Mean Gene Okerlund. He's backstage with the Honky Tonk Man and Jimmy Hart. And Jimmy says it. Here's where I got to break out my, my Jimmy Hart impression. First beefcake, you're an idiot, baby. When I want... You might want to wrestle the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, baby. That's why you're not here tonight, Daddy. Ha ha ha! He's got the freaking pompadour for the night. Did you notice he did that with his hair? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it, th- these two are hilarious. These two are uh, Memphis Wrestling got the call up <laughs> to go up to the big time, and these two guys like personify. Yep. Yeah, that's for that's for damn sure. And then Honky Tonk Man says that he'll defend that title. An open challenge tonight, baby. And and me and Gene tries to tell him he's like, Well, you know, your opponent and I No, no, don't tell me, baby. I won't I I won't be surprised. I'm I'm the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, baby, the honky tonk man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the cr- and the crowd is actually into this. Like they legitimately hated the honky tonk man, and you could hear them booing the hell out of him. So that was I mean, it's cool. He got actual heat for a wrestler. And I wasn't a big honky tonk man fan. I thought he was I I mean I'm sure at the time I would have thought he was a cool heel or whatever, but I just, I don't know. I was never really a fan. Speaking of people I was not a fan of, up next, we got the Bolsheviks, which is a team of Nikolai Volkov and Boris Zukov. They are with their manager, Slick. They are taking on the Powers of Pain, the Barbarian and the Warlord, with the Baron. This one went just shy of five and a half minutes. I think it's, well, it's the second shortest match on the card. We'll get to the shortest match. Is it just me, or does Slick just look, like, way out of place with the Bolsheviks? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, pretty random combination here, but it definitely got a lot of heat. Uh, Just like you mentioned with the last tag team match, people just wanted to cheer USA, and these three guys definitely gave them an excuse to do it. Yeah. I just, I was like, man, did they just um, throw all it? Because they had a ton of managers back here. Did they just throw the names of all the managers into a hat and they pulled one out? Was like, all right, you're in the Bolsheviks. <laughs> just, just whatever. This one made me laugh, and it made me laugh especially because my father said something like this, and uh, it stuck with me my entire life. Slick called the crowd illiterate, which means they don't know how to read or write. For not knowing that they need to stand on their feet for the Russian national anthem. So, poor choice of words. I just, like, you didn't mean illiterate, right? You meant stupid. I just, <laughs> he was trying to use a, he was trying to use a big word. So I, I get it. I don't think I've ever heard the powers of pain theme before. And if I did, it, like, you know, I don't remember it. But to me, it kind of sounded like the instrumental for like a Genesis or Phil Collins song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Powers of Pain, and even we're going to see later with Demolition, uh, the Road Warriors were so popular that people were just oh, like man. chomping at the bits to rip them off. And uh, I do like, I, I, res- I respect Powers of Pain, kind of like Brutus Briefcake. They've always had the jobs, and uh, they still wrestle even to this day, or up in the COVID era. Yeah, yeah, they wrestled for wow. IWA Mid South. They wrestled uh, in a tag match against Nick Gage. I remember. Uh, My like God, yeah, you're not and, making me want to watch this at all. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not sorry. saying respect. They're still taking bookings and they're still yoked. They have not uh, 
stopped working out. Uh, yeah. But other than that, other than that, there, you know, like you said, then the bell rings. Yeah. Well, I rem- my favorite warlord story is he asked. Uh, I mean, allegedly, that I mean, this is a story that's been passed around for years. But I guess he asked Kurt Hennig to put steroids in him, and he bent over and, and he had him put the needle in his butt. And allegedly, he allegedly Kurt Kurt Hennig did that, and it went squirting out of his butt across the room. And he patted him on the back and said, "I think you're full, big man." Huh. <laughs> but at this event, I I've never seen it this bad. I know they said they were clearly a rip off of the Road Warriors. They were in full Road Warrior cosplay here. They had mm-hmm. the the black tights with their name in red letters down the side. They had similar face paint. They had crazy hairstyles and mohawks, like full on Road Warriors. But Again, to not to overuse this, but then the damn bell had to ring. This was the first pay-per-view appearance for the Barbarian and the Warlord, and the only pay-per-view appearance for the Baron, which, for those of you that don't know, was Baron Von Rask, Raschke in uh, face paint with a hood on. Yeah, I had never seen this before. I was uh, shocked to see it. I couldn't really make heads or tails of what I was even seeing. Uh, but yeah. that makes sense. It was the only pay-per-view appearance here. It it took me a minute because I was like, "Who the hell is the Baron?" And I'm I'm staring at him when he was on camera, and I'm like, "Oh, it's Baron von Raschke." So there you go. But Warlord nails a belly-to-belly suplex at one point, which Gorilla Ma soon calls a gut wrench suplex. Look, for nostalgia purposes, I absolutely love Gorilla Monsoon, but he was awful at calling moves. Uh, oh, in yeah. the in the end, the Powers of Pain nailed a double shoulder tackle to onto Boris Zukov, and then Warlord hit a power slam, and then Barbarian finished him off with a flying headbutt for the win. Uncle Dave notes how ice cold that the Powers of Pain have been now that the WWF fans have finally figured out that they're not the Road Warriors. Harsh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they tried their best to fool uh, the people in the nosebleeds, but I think. You know, yeah. push comes to show, they can tell. I definitely preferred Barbarian in Nitro more so than his run, his first run in the WWE when he was teaming up, you know, with Ming and everything. So yeah. I had uh, fond memories of that, but Powers of Pain just, I respect them, but I don't really, uh, they don't do it for me. Right. Yeah, well, Uncle Dave only gave this a half a star. I gave it one and a half stars. Yeah, I'm going with that. Yeah, I'm going with maybe like a one and a quarter. Yeah, it wasn't great, but it was a five and a half minute match. It wasn't like ugly, so it was what it was. I wasn't a big fan of anybody in this match. We did sing to uh, new lows, just like the raw numbers with this next segment. Yeah, this next segment, and don't get me wrong, this was a a huge thing at the time, but this was like a replacement of a replacement. Uh, What? talking about is the brother love show this i first i just got to point this out shout out to greg because he would have pointed it out if he was here that sweet ass mullet on bruce pritchard that is a mom and dad are gone for the weekend and we got a fridge full of beer party in the back mullet <laughs> yeah yeah uh i'm not a fan of bruce pritchard but i'm credit where credit is due that mullet is audacious Hell yeah, it is. Well, according to Bruce, the original plan was to have Jessica Hahn 
which I think I can't remember who Jessica Hahn was at the time. I, th- I think she slept with somebody who was in Playboy. I don't remember. I didn't really look it up, but he he explains it on his podcast. But when that fell through, he wanted to have Ric Flair. Well, that didn't that fell through. He resigned with the NWA. So as a guest on the Brother Love Show, um, who do they get? Hacksaw Jim Duggan, because reasons. I don't know. But well, yeah, it's it's uh, very telling that you see that uh, Brother Love never thought to just not have himself on the show. Yeah, well, I will say this: as much as this segment kind of sucked, and we are crapping on it, Brother Love was over, and he had a ton of heat back during this time. Because this was a time when, especially in the South, they're like, he's mocking the Baptist preacher down the road. And uh, he literally got death threats. So he got a ton of heat, man. To the point of where he said Andre, Andre the Giant was friends with Bruce, but he hated Brother Love. So Uh (laughs) that's funny. As much as I was like, I don't know, man. I As a kid, I loved Hacksaw Jim Duggan. As an adult, having to watch his matches, I'm like, Bleh. but the crowd freaking blew when when Duggan came out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and this segment went off the rails right away because Duggan insult, insulted Brother Love, and then Brother Love referred to Hacksaw as Brother Duggan, and it came down to an argument of, Who's the biggest patriot for their country? Jim Duggan for America or Dino Bravo for Canada? Because I guess those are the two choices. It it finally took Duggan threatening to sodomize Brother Love with his two by four for Brother Love to hightail it out of there and the segment to mercifully end. <laughs> it's just, it, I don't know, man. It was what it was. Blah. But speaking of yeah. it was what speaking of it was what it was, up next we get the honky tonk man, the longest reigning intercontinental champion of all time up to that point. He's with Jimmy Hart, the Colonel, and he's defending the Intercontinental title. Uh, well, let's get into this first part. The booking swapped from Beefcake, because apparently it was gonna be Beefcake in the spot. But oh, it came God. after bo- it came after boxes for the Coliseum Home Video VHS release were printed early and, and kind of leaked. And on the boxes, it said Brutus would be the challenger for the Honky Tonk Man. So they swapped it and did a swerve, and they put a sticker over it that said the Ultimate Warrior was a challenger. The main reason, I guess, for the change to the match was because, according to an interview uh, from 2005... Beefcake claimed that the Warrior threatened to leave the WWF if he didn't get a title shot. So Beefcake stepped aside and uh, made the best of it, which resulted in this storyline injury that we talked about earlier. Beefcake complaining about backstage politics is uh, kind of ironic there. Yeah, those who uh, those who live in, in glass houses probably shouldn't throw stones, but I mean, you know, whatever. I don't... <clears throat> I don't know if um, I, mean, I don't know if that's true or not. It definitely set up the big match between Hogan and Warrior, right? That was eighty nine, right, for WrestleMania. Yep, WrestleMania six. Oh, no, I'm sorry, it was uh, ninety, nineteen ninety. 
Oh, okay. Was Warrior, Warrior was the champion all the way up until that point? Yeah. Yep. Okay, cool. I mean, that's uh, that makes this uh, this pretty historic. I think it's pretty cool how he just comes out and just is super fucking over. I mean, I would have loved him when I was a kid. I definitely did love him when I was a kid, even when he came back and wrestled Triple H in that one random WrestleMania match. Yeah, Lord. And, uh, yeah, and then uh, Honky Tonk Man uh, is the perfect foil for someone who's just like this intergalactic warrior who flies down to Earth goes to Madison Square Garden, and someone's ass takes the belt. I mean, you gotta love it. Yep. Well, as soon as the Warriors music hit, the crowd went absolutely bananas. Then, by the way, this match went 31 seconds. (laughs) When he won, they blew again. Like, just, they blew the roof off MSG. As if some of them actually thought that he was gonna lose after he came out with that entrance. (laughs) You're right. Well, Uncle Dave said he hated the, quote, match itself, but he did say that from a booking standpoint, it's the best thing on the show. He said from a wrestling standpoint, however, he thought the warrior running out to squash Honky Tonk Man blew him up so bad that he thought we'd get the first case of a man giving birth on national TV. (laughs) What the F? He gave it negative half a star. I gave it a dud just because it's not a match, really. I mean, it is, but it isn't, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's a 30 second squash. I will say this, I guess nobody knew up until this point how poorly trained the Ultimate Warrior was. And by that, I mean, he did that gorilla press slam all the time. Well, apparently, because when you grab the guy, you grab him by the, ch- like, uh, where the, the, the neck meets the chest, and you grab him by the inner thigh and you pick him up. Well, he's goozling them by the throat and squeezing their nuts and picking them up. And they get to the back, and Honky Tonk Man told him, or Wayne Ferris, I should say, told him, he's like, you squeeze my nuts one more freaking time, I'm sh- pulling my gun out and shooting you. <laughs> so so that was it, because the jobbers that he'd been squashing up until that point were not going to complain about the star, you know? So they had no idea... He didn't even know how to do a proper press slam until Honky Tonk Man spoke up. Honky Tonk Man definitely isn't one to not complain over the years that he did a her shoot interview, so I'm oh not surprised gosh. that him. he'll be the first and the last one to complain about something. Hell yeah. Him and But I love uh, it. Love him him and uh, King Kong Bundy, man. You talk about bitter old men. <laughs> Rest <laughs> in peace, King Kong Bundy, but you know what I mean. There was an intermission here where the WWF apparently advertised the upcoming Sugar Ray Leonard boxing fight on pay-per-view, and that's because Vince McMahon was heavily invested in it. And then to bring us back into the show, they play the opening promo package again, but I didn't mind seeing it again because of the old-school SummerSlam theme. It's pretty badass. That, by the way, I don't know if you caught that, but after the intermission, they started making a lot of references to Sugar Ray. So, oh, for sure. Yeah, if you hear that on the show, that's why. When we come back from intermission, though, Bobby the Brain Heenan bursts into the commentary area up on a balcony about a mile away from the ring to tell everybody what the Megabox are supposedly doing, which is counting money and reading the Wall Street Journal. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> on the giant Wall Street Journal is pretty funny. Yeah, I can't imagine that. Like, stocks look good today. <laughs> but the crowd is chanting weasel so loudly you can barely hear Heenan. And 
apparently he's going to he gets on commentary to join Monsoon and Graham for the next match, which was fine. I think I, I would have much preferred Bobby Heenan over superstar Billy Graham. I'll say that. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, Don Morocco versus uh, Dino Bravo. With Frenchie yeah, Martin in his corner. <laughs> yeah, this one went for five and a half minutes. This is the final pay-per-view appearance for the magnificent Don Morocco as he was fired shortly after the show. Oh, okay. Dino Bravo, he was the one in that Dark Side of the Ring show, right? He was, uh, yeah. I had a pass as well. Yeah. This, uh, it's, I, I got a whole new perspective on Dino Bravo after watching that episode. So, yeah, uh, of course. We pump it, uh, or pimp it, whatever, on the, uh, the podcast all the time. I definitely recommend Dark Side of the Ring. It's a fantastic series. If anybody has a way to watch it, definitely go do it. It's on Vice. Tim White is the referee for this match. I just had to point that out because that's not wise, Mr. White. Do you remember that, where he kept killing himself or trying to kill himself? Tim White? Yeah. It was it was skits. Like, they would do these skits all the time. It was after he got uh, injured so badly that he couldn't referee anymore. And they kept doing these little skits where uh, Josh Matthews would go to interview him and he would like try to hang himself or shoot himself. And and Matthews would be like, uh, Mr. White, Mr. White, that's not wise. That's not wise, Mr. White. Mr. White, that's not wise. Mr. White, that's definitely not wise. <laughs> no, I, I do not remember that. Uh, I'm a fan of Tim White's wrestling. I'm glad they found found something for him to do. When he could not, uh, couldn't, couldn't rep anymore. That's, that's hilarious. Josh Matthews, uh, <sighs> he's like a white commentator. I, I don't know how you feel about it. Do you watch Impact? I watched Slammiversary. I wasn't impressed by, uh, by Josh Matthews. No. Uh, you got Don Callis sitting next to him, which is like having a statue sitting next to a dried turd. Uh, it's pretty interesting know. though. Josh Matthews originally was, came into the wrestling industry as a loser on the first Tough Enough. And he right. just kept making it work, kept making it work. And here he is still to this day, over 20 years later, with a job in wrestling. Yeah, I'll tell you what, man. I can crap on him all I want, all I want but yeah, A, he has a job, and B, he's beating all of us because he's married to Madison Rain. So. Oh, really? Damn, I didn't know that. Yeah, yep. He is, uh, he's married to, to Madison Rain, so screw you, Josh Matthews. I hate you. But, yeah, lost tough enough wanted lives. Right. Monsoon, during this match, tells the Canadian Frenchie Martin to, quote, go back to France or wherever you're from, because he's holding <laughs> up a sign that says USA is not okay. <laughs> In the end, the referee gets bumped when Morocco goes for a scoop slam, and Dino accidentally, Dino kicked him by accident. But then Dino slips behind Morocco and nails a side slam for the win. Kind of blah. This was boring and failed. To me, it felt way longer than it actually was. Uncle Dave called this match, quote, pathetic and said that both guys were horribly blown up. But the match might have been decent if anyone had cared about the match, which they didn't. <laughs> what a dick. Uh, but he, yeah. gave, he gave this a dud. I give it a star and a half. I'm going. I'm going with a with a point four point five. Yeah. Awful match. No one cared. I'm. I, Dave was right. No one cared. I'm amongst them. I don't care. Right. Well, next up we get a Sean Mooney sighting. He's making his WWF pay per view debut. 
He's backstage interviewing Jesse the Body Ventura. He says that Ventura is going to be the ring enforcer, or, or the special guest referee, I should say, for the main event. And he's already tainted because he's accepted money from the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. We'll get to that later. Uh, Ventura says that he accepted the money as a gift to him from the million-dollar man, but he's going to be fair and official in the main event. So yeah, yeah that's just, I was unfamiliar with it before watching watching it uh, for the show, and what an '80s storyline here in the main event. Oh yeah, it's typical Ted DiBiase stuff. It was great. I don't know. I, I dug it. It was one of them that hits you in the feels, you know, they, and, and I, I don't care what anybody says. I loved everything Jesse Ventura did. I just freaking loved it. Couldn't help myself. But also Billy Graham was taking shots at Jesse Ventura on commentary because there was like actual heat because Jesse, the body Ventura basically wholesale ripped his gimmick off of Graham. Oh, for sure. For sure. Down to, if you look at what Graham is wearing, it looks like just it looks like he got it out of Ventura's closet, or Ventura got his outfits out of Graham's closet. Either or. I mean, Superstar Billy Graham got ripped off a bunch. I mean, you can even link uh, what Hogan was doing to Superstar Billy Graham, what uh, Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner was doing to Superstar oh, Billy sure. Graham. Yeah, like it's it, it's all over the place. Like he was the first, like obviously roided up full of himself, quasi-flamboyant superstar, man. He was he was it. He did yeah. it at first. And uh, you can't deny it. And Hogan even started wearing tie-dye later on in his career, like Graham. And the feather boas. Yep. So he kept going back to that that uh, that well of, of Billy Graham over and over. So, And there for a while, Austin Aries, when he was Austin Starr, was also yeah. somewhat like him. Uh, this, course, next, yeah. this next match was honestly my favorite tag match on the card. Not because, I mean, it may not have been technically the best when you go in, you know, when you're working in that first match we talked about, but it was Demolition, Axe, and Smash with both Mr. Fuji and Jimmy Hart. They're defending the WWF tag team titles against the Hart Foundation of Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart. They go for just shy of 10 minutes. The crowd blew up for the Hart Foundation. I just realized, watching this match, I have Jack's figures of all of the, of Demolition and the Hart Foundation all in these particular outfits. Oh, nice. Yeah, so to use my phrase from the podcast, I have a Jack's figure of them. But the finish comes when Mr. Fuji distracts Jim Neidhart and the and the referee so that Jimmy Hart could toss his megaphone into the ring to Axe and he nails Brett in the back with it and drapes Smash's arm over Brett's body for the pinfall victory. I enjoyed this match because I absolutely love both of these teams. I'll never have a negative word to say about either one of them. I met Demolition at WrestleCon 20, uh, 2018 and it was like a highlight of my life. Uncle Dave said, quote, Finish was decent, but the match was completely boring. He gave it one and a half stars. I gave it two and a half stars. What say you? Uh, I wouldn't say the match was boring, but it definitely peaked at the finish. I'm giving it two stars. My one of my favorite matches, top three favorite matches of the uh, of the evening. Yeah, and it's uh, 
mean, it's not a crowded list of great matches on this show, but you know, it was fine. A lot of tag matches. Yeah, three three tag matches on this card. Well, four with the main event. Four, yeah, so. the main event. Yeah, and and it's it was rare during this era for a tag match to close the show. I mean, mm-hmm. other than you know, I mean, you had WrestleMania one and uh, SummerSlam one, both of them tag matches involving Hulk Hogan. Yeah, okay. yeah, you got to put a lot of uh, a lot of things around him to hopefully give the rub to because Hogan was definitely over. You could have uh, had Hogan wrestle a blow up doll at this point. Hell yeah, yeah. We'll get into some of his reactions later on, but uh, Mean Gene Okerlund's in the locker room yet again with Jimmy Hart, Honky Tonk Man, Fabulous Rujos, and Dino Bravo. Basically every heel on the card. Honky Tonk Man was great here. Oh yeah, this was fantastic, man. I became more of a fan of his after watching this. Because he's screaming, yelling, throwing stuff, and he's saying, I said I'd fight anybody, but I didn't say I'd fight the warrior. They sent a warrior after me. And then he says that if it's the last thing he ever does, he's getting his belt back. To which I wanted to go back again. I wanted to hop in my DeLorean, buy a ticket, or go back to 1988, buy a ticket, go to the show, and tell him, God dang it, pal, it's not a belt, it's a championship. Huh. Anyway, we get... (laughs) This freaking match up next, man. It's the big boss man with Slick in his corner. He's taking on Coco Beware. It was just shy of six minutes. <sighs> this was the first WWF pay-per-view appearance for the big boss man. When Pile Driver hit the speakers and Coco Beware comes out, the crowd went mild. I had not heard such a stone-cold reception for anybody all night. I mean, am I wrong with that? No, you're absolutely right. There was a, I feel like after the Heart Foundation match, mm-hmm. everybody just wanted to see the main event. And uh, the other yeah. matches sucked from it. Yeah, this one was just, ugh, man, I don't know. Slick distracted Coco so that Bossman could jump him from behind. Bossman beat him with a Bossman slam. Not a terrible six-minute match, just wasn't great. After the match, Bossman clocked Coco with his nightstick right in the ribs. Uncle Dave said that this was the the best of the squash matches, and he gave it one and three-four stars. I just <laughs> rounded up at two stars. What say you? I'm I'm going lower than Dave. Lower than I'm saying one. I I think that this card would have done a lot better if they just didn't do this match at all. Um, yeah, this should have been on I mean, superstars I, of wrestling. Yeah, something like that. Uh, I feel like it was a short show, but it should have been shorter because uh, the brother love in this was something that really didn't uh, do do anything for me. They could they could have eighty six it in my opinion. Yeah, I I don't totally disagree. Got to get Big Bubba on the card though, man. <laughs> and Coco Beware, uh, Hall of Famer here. Hell yeah, him and Frankie. He's like the go to reference if someone's like, should is he a Hall of Famer? Is she a Hall of Famer? People go, well, Coco Beware is a Hall of Famer. He's like the uh, the gatekeeper of the lower end of the Hall of Fame. I guess so, man. <laughs> oh, but Sean Mooney is backstage. He's in the locker room with Ultimate Warrior, and he's flanked by Junkyard Dog, Don Morocco, the British Bulldogs. He's in the locker room with all the baby faces, basically. And Warrior said, and I quote, I had to write down this promo word for word just because... I'll give you the the option. Should I do my warrior impression or should I read it seriously in well, just like as serious as can be? 
I think we should just read it seriously to hear the uh, the ridiculous nature of, of his words. Okay, that's a good call. I, I agree. Here we go. He said, quote, Honky Tonk Man, you thought it was like something out of a comic book, brother, but we're talking about real life. Remember what I just said before I, I continue. But anyway, moving on from that real life comment. I was sitting in parts unknown, waiting for the next spaceship to hire planes, when the lightning bolts came down from the sky, and the warrior spoke, and they said, make it to the garden. Well, the ultimate warrior showed, and Honky Tonk Man, you gave the challenge, and the ultimate warrior, and all the little warriors, with all their painted faces, rose to the challenge, and they conquered. I've taken the little warriors through all the darkness and all the pain. And Honky Tonk Man, if you want a piece of me, or anybody thinks that they can take on the warriors, I'm not hard to find. I'll be on the next spaceship to parts unknown. End quote. God dang it. <laughs> what the? First of all, what peyote was he smoking, man? I, I mean, I don't know. New York City in the 80s, you could probably get a lot of stuff. Uh, that is is very true and where the hell is parts unknown I I just want to know where it's at oh it's it's on the Know Your Old Boulevard you just keep heading down yeah if you you see the Smackdown Hotel you just keep walking yeah exactly mother of god just this promo was absolute just bonkers that was just like a, a stupid promo I know shocker but Speaking of stupid and out of place, uh, next we got Hercules taking on Jake the Snake Roberts. This went on for 10 minutes, 6 seconds. I will say the crowd absolutely blew their crap for Jake. Have you ever seen the Warlord and Hercules in the same place? No. Holy crap. (laughs) Uh, I was completely bored out of my mind during this match until the very end. Mm -hmm. The the match Mm -hmm. ends with... Yeah, the match ends with Jake the Snake slipping out of a scoop slam attempt, nailing the DDT, covering him for the pinfall victory. And then after the match, he throws Damien on top of Hercules. You know, shocker. Uncle Dave said that this match was dull and deathly slow, but Herc still managed to get blown up. (laughs) He gave it one and a four stars. These two guys out there. They were sending these two guys out there at the time to maybe bring the crowd down before the main event. But oh, God. I, that's something they've always tried to do. But I'm always like, why uh, Why did they have like to bring the crowd down at all, you know? Yeah, this was the final piss break before the main event, I guess. I don't know. Too, it just went on too long. But Uncle Dave gave it one and a fourth star. I gave it one and a half star. What say you? I'd have to agree with you. One and a half star, poorly positioned. Yeah, it's it blew. You talk about things that could have been left off the show. We'll return after these messages. <sighs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just two fifty. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. 
The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Now, back to our program. The uh, video shown. We got the main event here. Oh, yeah. Finally, we are here at the main event. A video is shown uh, from a previous, a previous wrestling challenge, which is another show besides Superstars of Wrestling. For those of you that don't know, uh, but Andre the Giant distracted Randy Savage, allowing Ted DiBiase to jump him, and they beat him up. Savage then challenged Andre and Ted to a tag team match at SummerSlam, and Bobby Heenan accepted for his clients. And they also announced that Jesse the Body Ventura would be the guest referee, all on the same show. On another show, Macho Man introduces his tag team partner. He says he's the greatest tag team partner you could ever ask for. And Hulk Hogan comes out, and the crowd threw the babies in the air. They absolutely loved Hogan. Later on, on the Brother Love show, Brother Love talks down to Jesse Ventura, claiming that he's scared of Andre the Giant. Ventura goes off on Brother Love, and he finally gets interrupted by Andre, who threatened him. And then Teddy Biasi, who stuffs money in his pocket, kind of to bribe him. And that's what they were referring to earlier in the show. There you go. That sets up for our main event. It is the Mega Bucks, Andre the Giant and Teddy Biasi with Bobby Heenan and Virgil in their corner. They are taking on the Mega Powers, which was Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage with Miss Elizabeth in their corner. This was just shy of 14 minutes. And obviously, I mean, with the sold-out MSG, we know Virgil drew the house. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Made that him, yep, and in his meat sauce. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But the Megabucks come out first to no music whatsoever, which confused me. But I was shocked that I realized that Savage was the champion here, but given how things always kind of worked out in the WWF, they I was shocked about this. They came out to Macho Man's theme. I, were you shocked by that at all, or were you just kind of like, well, yeah, I mean, that's the way it is? I didn't, yeah, I guess uh, I overlooked it, I have to say. It was, uh, something I, it was something that really stuck out to me, just because it was like, I mean, at WrestleMania V, it was written that apparently Macho Man was pissed off about this. Macho Man was going into WrestleMania V as the champion, but he still had to come out first, so that Hogan could come out second and get the big reaction. And that was something I didn't even think about until that was pointed out. And Jesse Ventura points it out on commentary. He's like, why is the champion coming out first? Yeah, so just a little something. uh, Like, uh, if you're not, you know, into wrestling or watch, you know, multiple shows, you just overlook. Uh, That's a big deal. Like, uh, you work your whole career to become the world champion. And when you do it, you want to come out last. You want all the little nuances that you get the title. Yeah. I mean, JR even talks about when he was booking house shows during the Attitude Era and he'd put Stone Cold in a match like the opening match or the match before intermission or something. And Hulk Hogan liked going before intermission so that he could get back for, you know, before room service cut off at the hotel. But 
he would try doing that for Austin and Austin would get pissed. And he's like, why am I on before intermission? And he's like, well, I'm, you know, trying to hook you up so you can get out of here. He's like, no, I worked my whole career to go on last. I want to go on last. And he's like, all right, I'll rebook the card. <laughs> nice. Yeah. But when the mega powers get dumped to the outside at the end of the match, uh, to distract Jesse Ventura and the Mega Bucks, Miss Elizabeth takes off her skirt to reveal it wasn't quite what Macho Man had built it up to be, but she was wearing a red swimsuit bottom. Still pretty hot, especially for 1988. Yep, she uh, she the old dump, dumper here. Yeah, yeah. This was this was some good stuff, but it was it was not what Macho Man because Macho Man kept talking about that. Itsy bitsy, teeny weeny, yellow polka dot bikini, and that was not yeah. it. So, I mean, it was fine. But the Mega Powers get back in, they dump Andre to the outside, and then they hit a elbow drop, leg drop combo on DiBiase for the win. And, and then after that, it was Hulk and Macho must pose. And they played Real American, the crowd throws the babies in the air. Uncle Dave thought that DiBiase looked great, but he hoped that he saved his money from the main event because that time of his career is done. Ouch. I will say this. I don't think he was wrong because I don't think DiBiase really main evented much more after this. Uh, Uncle Dave gave this two and three fourth stars. I gave it a solid three stars. What say you? Oh, I would say this is a 3.75, three and three fourth stars match. It's, I mean, of course, it wasn't... Uh, it's, it, it wasn't a Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat classic, but it wasn't trying to be that. It was perfect for what it was trying to be. The best, good main event, good storyline, had the MSG crowd hooked. Yeah, I mean, you can't complain about this main event. One match show, and they delivered on that one match. Yeah, uh, I, I think I boosted it to three stars, not because it was like super technical or whatever, but it was... All in all, I thought it was, it delivered on all of its promises. It was exciting. The, you know, the crowd was into it. And, you know, it was, it was a spectacle. And for Hulk Hogan and Macho Man, well, Macho Man could have long, entertaining matches. But for Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant to be in a match that went for 14 minutes and I wasn't bored at all, that's an accomplishment, man. We'll return after these messages. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Now, back to our program. Final ratings of the show, I will say IMDb gave the show overall a 7.1 out of 10. 
cagematch.net gave it a 5.29 out of 10. I gave it a 6.5 out of 10. What say you? Out of 10, I'm going to have to go, yeah, like 6. Go a little lower because, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of filler. It was a uh, short show that felt real long. Yeah, uh, a lot of two and a half was, hours. Yeah, yeah. I was to say Raw feels long. Mm-hmm. Three hours, but this felt longer than the normal Raw. Right. And the show, like we said, the main event was great, and that's what they built it on. But again, it was stuff like if anybody goes in the archives and listens to our review of like Clash of the Champions 6, where the main event was the hour-long classic between Flair and Steamboat, but the rest of the show sucked. Like, we're not going to give the show a great rating because the main event was good. If the rest of the show sucked up until the main event, and I, and this show, I don't, I don't think the show sucked up until the main event, but there was a lot of filler and a lot of crap, I will say. And, and that's another oh, yeah. thing like it. Well, like I was saying before, I don't, I don't rate it higher based on nostalgia, you know? I mean, I don't think that's fair. But, I mean, everybody has their own rating systems, but yeah, that, uh, that's it, man. Anything else you want to say to wrap this show up? Definitely enjoyed it. It's, it's, it's hard to go back and watch some of this stuff and not rate it on nostalgia for me. Like, right. uh, it takes you back to the time that, it took place, of course, but then also the time you originally watched it. Like, we were talking about the blockbuster tapes and everything like that. And then to, like, just see, like, you know, Jake the Snake, who's on AEW still to this day, you know, kind of in more of his element. To see, you know, like, Earl Hebner, who, you know, I kind of know more from uh, riffing a lot of, like, the Austin era matches and seeing him, you know, right here on this show. It was just pretty cool to see. It was just, um, took me back. And, uh, it, like, it's hard to, it's hard to not have nostalgia seep in when you're rating something like this. I, it was, it was awesome to go back and do, uh, I, yeah, like I said, I focus more on current stuff a lot of the time. So this was really cool to go back and watch. Yes. Yeah. And that's why we always base our show on retro and retro is, you know, we try not to do anything that's, that's more than two years young. You know, we, we try to at least go back two years, but we try to stay back at least in the 90s. But, I mean, we've the newest show up until this month that we reviewed was Vengeance 2005. So, you know, so we touch on some Ruthless Aggression era there. Real quick, if you go listen to Main Event Marks, we're available everywhere you can get podcasts. But for our August schedule, August 5th, we came out with SummerSlam 2015, August 12th. We're switching it up because we didn't want to just do straight Summer Slams all all month. But August twelfth, we got WCW Road Wild nineteen ninety nine. It was not a good show, but it was the final one that took place in Sturgis, and the main event was the Red and Yellow Hulk Hogan returning to take on Kevin Nash uh, for the WCW title, and their careers were on the line, sort of. <laughs> August nineteenth, we do Summer Slam tw- uh, nineteen ninety eight, and then. August 26th, we're covering a show that is not on the WWE Network, but I did find a link online for it. It's ECW's Born to be Wired 1997, where it was a barbed wire rope match between Terry Funk and Sabu in the main event. So, oh, classic. Yeah, I've never seen it before. Reg and I are not huge fans of ECW, but we do... 
occasionally, I'm not a big deathmatch or extreme rules kind of fan, but occasionally I like to see this kind of stuff. Not all the time, but once in a blue, once in a while. But that's, that's our August. A, oh, that's a good one to uh, watch, man. Uh, I mean, Terry Funk definitely known for hardcore wrestling, but definitely brings out the uh, more traditional side of wrestling that you know people people enjoy. I, we talk about him a little bit on our Wrestle War '89 episode. Go back and check that out in the archives because I made a reference. Uh, I compared him to Chris Jericho in that episode, and I'm not going to say why and get into it now, but definitely go back and check that out. We talk, uh, we talk about Funk because he did play a big part in Russell War 89, even though he's not on the card. But For sure. And he's also on uh, SummerSlam 98, which you're going to review. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I See, the only I only know two matches on the card. I haven't went back and looked at it yet. So it's coming up some some Terry Funk. Uh, you know, I, I will never not like Terry Funk. I'm jealous of you reviewing that show. That's one of my favorite uh, pay-per-views of all time. Yeah, uh, 98 was great. Had an amazing ladder match on it between The Rock and Triple H. So definitely looking forward to uh, sitting down and watching that one here real soon. Nice. But, you guys have to check that one out. Yeah. On social media, follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. It's main, at main event underscore marks. Or on Facebook, you can follow us at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. We're obviously on YouTube right here. Uh, you can, you know, you, you should probably subscribe to us because if we get a hundred subscribers, then we can get a custom URL and I can quit telling you guys to search for us. You know, you can just type in whatever the custom URL is and just boom, you're right there. We've got a lot of stuff on figures. We got bonus shows, uh, lots and lots of stuff. If you're a figure collector and you like stuff like the major wrestling figures pod, you're going to like what we're bringing you on the channel. And like I said, bonus shows throughout the months as well. Thanks for uh, for joining me today, Jacob. Oh, yeah, no problem. Anytime. And one more time, what's your social media for them to get a hold of you? Hit me up at JG Pro Wrestling on Twitter, at JG Pro Wrestling on SoundCloud. Check out Wrestling with Wrestling on YouTube if you want to hear my show, Curtain Jerkin'. Uh, we review a thorough review of the first match on every show, as well as talk about the major happenings in wrestling today. That's going to be on pretty much YouTube for now, but it's coming out in August. It's going to be on any other platforms that you may listen to podcasts on. Nice. Sounds great. Go check him out. Give him some love. And as always, subscribe and like and leave some reviews for this podcast, y'all. And we will see you later. Peace. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. 
There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 